1: of my brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. Don't settle for mediocrity, live big. Let's get started by visiting canilivebig.com and let's visit it today. That's canilivebig.com.
2: You were made to think big,
1: do big, live big. But tomorrow can be bigger. Yeah. Just grow, let the world over. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than
2: yourself. Hello. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We are so glad that you joined us today. We believe that the truth of God's word will empower you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. As always, you can get this message and more at GraceChurchVA.org. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's Live Big message.
1: Verse one, we're going to begin. And uh, this is a a portion of scripture. It's been years since we looked at it all, but we're going to learn some things. Actually, we're beginning a generosity series uh, tonight. This is part one. Verse one, it says, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000 in all. So what David did here is he called his uh, uh, 30 divisions of the highest ranking soldiers, the highest ranking politicians and political leaders, and he took them all on a 30-mile journey to the edge, right to the edge of the Philistine territory. The Bible says, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah to bring up from there the ark. All of this pomp and all this circumstance was was for this little tiny, four foot long, two foot high by two foot wide, little box with two angels on top. You see, what had happened was the king had, this new king at that, had just established, uh, or just united, if you will, all, all 12 tribes, and then he established Jerusalem as a new national city. But all of his military and political achievements really would not have meant anything without renewing the nation spiritually. And here's the deal. Success without God is like the center of a donut. Sweet on the outside, but a zero within. Yeah. And you know, and we, a lot of sweet stuff, but it really doesn't matter and doesn't, doesn't amount to much unless that middle piece is where it needs to be. And it says he went to bring up from there. The Ark of God. When the Philistines stole the Ark, it was about 40 years ago. Some say 30, 30 years earlier. They took it to the city of Ashdod, which was one of the five major Philistine cities. And when they brought it there, they put it in the the Temple of Dagon. There's a whole narrative about that. But when they brought it there, the people broke out into tumors. Now, the Darby translation doesn't call what the people broke out in tumors. He called them actually hemorrhoids. So the nation began to, to break out into hemorrhoids. So, yeah, I know, that's funny, ain't that? Yeah. And then, you know, when, when everyone in the city, you know, got hemorrhoids and, and they ran out of preparation aids and all this stuff on on shelves. Okay, that's not in the Bible, but something like that happened. So they we wanted to test and make sure that this was something that was happening as a result of divine judgment because of the ark. So they moved it to the city of Gath. Then the same thing happened and preparation else flew off the shelves. And then they took it to the third city, Ekron, and the exact same thing happened. Here's the principle. Wherever we try to keep what we've stolen from God, that area will soon become a pain in our behind. Backside. Okay, I guess I can say that. Okay, I'll get this, this right. Whatever, wherever you withhold, it becomes a pain. Then it says, they, they brought up this ark whose name is called by the name. Now, you know, uh, unlike the, the, the movies we saw, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all that, the, the power of the ark wasn't its beauty and neither was its size. It was a little tiny ark. Its power came from the presence of the one who lived on it. And when we enter his, his presence with praise, he enters our situation with power. And again, it wasn't the box. It was who the box belonged to. So David was bringing back the ark of God, whose, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So these are the children of Israel. They set the ark of God on a new cart. Now, this was the, the only way the Philistines knew how to, how to transport it. But what we're about to find is the israelites did the exact same thing but moses had been very very clear in the law numbers 4 and 15 let's dig into scripture just a little bit and when aaron and his sons had finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary the furnishings of the sanctuary the ark of the covenant the lampstand and, and all the altars there when the camp is set to go when the camp moves and and you know the, the camp would move from place to place it was portable at this time then the sons of Korah, who were the, the called out, they were special Levites, if you will, shall come to carry them. Uh, this is the table she read, all the different altars, and again, the lamps and the ark. But watch this. But they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. Now, how many of y'all think that's pretty clear? Okay. But here's the deal. The Philistines, when when they violated the law of Moses, they didn't have Bibles, neither did they, did they have Levites. So because of that, God was willing to, to obviously overlook the fact that they put it on a cart. But this is important. We do our best until we know better. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But then when, when we know better, God expects us to do better. And what's amazing about God is he, he doesn't require perfection. He just requires our best. And when the Philistines did what they did as wrong as they were, there were certain allowances that that God allowed. But we're going to discover in a moment that when the children of Israel, who ought to have known better because they had the book, the consequences are very different. Second Samuel six and three. So they, David, set the ark of God on a new cart. Now, at first, this is back to the scripture we were looking at. All of David's decisions up to this time, all the major ones at least, we found in the book of Samuel, punctuated by these words, and David inquired of the Lord. In fact, let's look at this just a little bit. A little Bible study as we dig in here tonight. 1 Samuel 23 and 2. We're going to go back a little bit. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said yes, and and after that he won. And then we see in First Samuel twenty-three and verse four. Then David inquired of the Lord once again. His men doubted, uh, and God spoke again. And then he he told him that he's going to win by a landslide. Then First Samuel thirty verse eight. So David what inquired of the Lord? Anyone notice a pattern right now? He said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And again, you know, God spoke to him and David opened up a can. Second Samuel two and verse one. It continues. First Samuel and we see it. Second Samuel. David inquired of the Lord. He said, Lord, shall I go up? See, David's habit was to ask the Lord about what he should do in his life. So he said, "Lord, you know which of the cities should I go to?" And God not only gave him the city, He told him exactly what to do, and David obeyed. And we see the same pattern. First Samuel, now we see it in in Second Samuel. Uh, so David inquired of the Lord again, "Shall I go up against the Philistines?" The Philistines were a continual thorn in the side of the children of Israel, so he had to keep fighting them. Uh, he said, "God, will you deliver them into to my hand?" God told him, "What? Go and defeat them again." Uh, let's go to Second Samuel five and twenty three. Therefore. David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, You shall not go up. Instead, I want you to do something different than what you planned. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry tree. So we see here that when he sought the Lord, God gave him a whole strategy. But something in David's life began to change. By 2 Samuel 11 and 3, we see a subtle shift. And when he was young and he was a new king, you know, he sought the Lord. But as time went on, and he started getting a little big in the head, watch what happened. It says, so David saw a woman. And he sent and inquired not of the Lord this time. He inquired of his men about the woman. And then they responded. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Now, if he would have continued to inquire of the Lord, he may have never met Bathsheba. It's important. Our trouble begins when we start taking cues from the wrong sources. You see, it seems that it was just a kind of innocent thing that that can happen to anybody. But it was a gradual slide, and at one point again, he was on fire. Lord, what should I do? How should I live? Well, how, how can I represent you? But over time, it's like, Lord, I think I got this thing, and, and he, I'm gonna make my own decisions. And he started talking to his buddies around him instead of God. Second Samuel six and three, and we're gonna see a little bit of this uh, or this attitude start to emerge in David uh, a little bit before chapter eleven of Samuel. So David, again, sat there, Ark of God, on a new card. And he was thinking, you know, I'm grown now, Lord, you know, I I got this. So he followed the example of the Philistines. He didn't inquire of the Lord like he did every other time. He followed the example of the folks around him, the world around him, instead of following God's instructions. And here's the deal. How can we help the world around us if we're conformed to the same broken ideas and patterns? mean if the salt loses its saltiness it's good for nothing except to be trodden underfoot by men the scripture says so the the thing is he he began to lose his distinctive and he started approaching things like the folks around him and and he began and it's a a subtle thing it it happens slowly over time but how do you boil a frog gradually you you put the frog in a pot even though he can jump out if you turn up that fire just a little bit at a time he'll stay until he's boiled And that's what happens with each of us. It often happens gradually. You know, just, I'm not going to pursue God here. And then, no, you know what? I'm not going to pursue him there. And before long, we find ourselves in a big mess like David. David loved the Lord, but it was a gradual thing. And we got to be mindful. Watch this. Well, he, he set the ark of God on a new cart Moses told him don't do that. It's the the Levites that carry the cart and you know this that every king of Israel was required to read all the law of Moses So all five books of the Pentateuch he had read And not only that he had scholars around him, you know uh, uh, Religious leaders that he could have inquired of but he didn't do any of that He thought you know what? I got this on my own. I got this this when I get in trouble This when you get in trouble when I say lord, I got this. I don't even need to seek you about this I know how to do this So he put it on a new cart And just because they got away with it don't mean you're going to pay attention. And he brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah, remember that name because it's going to come up again. And Ahio, the son of Abinadab, drove the new cart. So, so far, these two boys are are driving this, this cart. And so far, God is being extraordinarily patient uh, with folks that have ought to ought to have known better. And here's the deal. Just because you're getting away with it right now doesn't mean that you're not too close to the edge. But l- let's pay attention. Verse five. Then David and all the house of Israel, all 30 divisions that that traveled with David. The Bible says they played. Now in the Hebrew, that literally means to dance to music so they began to dance and the bible then says before the lord now before the lord uh, when you see that phrase that means the manifest presence of god was there so the joyous presence of the lord was there and everybody was doing a happy dance and it was like a holy ghost mardi gras i mean everybody was excited they were feeling the the, the, the presence of the lord but here i want you to pay attention though now we know because we're looking back on the narrative and we've already read what Moses said, we recognize that they they hadn't done everything right. But we also see they still experienced the presence of the Lord. So just because you feel him doesn't mean that everything's always okay. But what I also want you to see here is, is if God showed this type of mercy to people who were under the law in the old covenant, How much more is he willing to show that type of mercy to those of us under the New Testament of grace?
3: A life of influence isn't achieved overnight. It is built through the consistent application of wisdom and hard work. Dr. Derek Greer's brand new book 120 Minutes to Live Big provides you with 120 bite-sized nuggets of insight on practical topics such as marriage and finances as well as wisdom for personal growth and leadership development. It will ask you penetrating questions to help you reflect and apply what you've learned. This book will stimulate self-examination and provide fuel for personal transformation. The best thing about it Dr. Greer is offering this book to you absolutely free. That's right, a free copy of 120 Minutes to Live Big, mailed to you as a gift. However, that's not all. You will also get 30 days access to Dr. Greer's Growth Lab, a program designed to help you grow from good to great, from mediocre to extraordinary. It's our prayer that this gift leaves you with a burning desire to be better and become everything God wants you to be. So, if you want to live a life that overflows and blesses others, this gift is for you. Claim your free book and get free 30-day access to Dr. Greer's Growth Lab. Simply visit dgmfree.com.
2: You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. Find out more about Dr. Greer, Grace Church, and today's teaching at gracechurchva.org. Let's get back to today's teaching.
1: So here's the deal Now God loves us in spite of us and there's a level of grace no matter what you're doing You can lift your hands up to God and often his presence will manifest and draw you back to him And we see God doing it again. This is under the law. Moses had already spoken from Sinai They had violated the law. They put the ark on a cart But the presence of God still manifests. And what I'm trying to say to you, God is not an ogre. He's not looking for an opportunity to strike you. He he loves you and he gives you a little latitude and some grace. And you got to push him before he does what he doesn't want to do. So, so far, you know, the band is playing and, and then it lists all the instruments. This was not a little little light celebration going on. It said all kinds of instruments of firwood, on harps they played, on string instruments they played, on tambourines they played, on sistrums and on cymbals. And and after a while, everybody started to do the wobble, and, and I mean, everybody is, is celebrating and, and excited in God. And when they came to, to Naken's threshing floor... Everything with God so far, his grace was covering it all. But Uzzah put out his hand. Now, actually, the Old Testament it said we weren't even to look at it. He put out his hand and touched the ark of God and didn't just kind of touch it. He took hold of it for the oxen had stumbled. You see, what we establish in our own strength, we're going to have to sustain In our own strength. But we see here that he crossed the line because he thought he needed to save God. How many ever felt like you needed to help God, that God somehow needed saving? Psalms 41 and forgive me, 145 and verse three says, his greatness, no one can fathom. Other translations say it's unsearchable. That's why we have to write a little note to self. Stop helping God. It's deeply insulting to him. God really never calls for your help, only your cooperation. 2 Samuel 6 and 7. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. You see, here's the thing about playing it too close to to the edge, you you, you really don't know that you've gone too far until you you fall in. And that's the challenge, but but we keep pushing this thing, and sometimes we keep pushing this thing. It says, He aroused the anger of the Lord, and God struck him there for his error. How many of us have lived in the same type of error where we think God needs our help? You see, God is amazingly approachable. Jesus says, suffer the children to come. Jesus sat with sinners and nobody died. He, if The Pharisees called him ugly names. He didn't kill not a one. He's an incredible amount of grace. God is incredibly uh, approachable. But don't get so familiar that you forget your limits and, and, and you forget your place. And the Bible says, and God struck him because he went a little bit too far. And he died there by the ark of God. Now, we look at this, and, and from a human perspective, we say, well, well, God, all he was trying to do was, was help. Why, why would you be so severe? But God says, says you know, and God, now I can't speak for God, but I think he says in his mind, but his word bears this out. How can you assist me if you reject my directions at the same time? And many of us, we're trying to help God. And it's like, Lord, I'm trying to do this way, but if you're trying to be an asset to me, why don't you do what I say? But we're like, well, Lord, I'll do it my way and you bless it. And God's like, listen, follow my directions and I'll bless it. You know, we were like, Lord, you know what? I'm 20 feet out of God's will. I mean, matter of fact, most of us, we're 100 feet out of God's will. And we're like, Lord, where's your blessing? How come you don't bless me? How come you don't bless me like my neighbor? And God's like, well, why don't you get under the spot where my glory's coming out? Why don't you get in my will where blessing is easy instead of you asking me to bless you over here? And when we do that, we're, we're kind of like, we're bossing God around. We're saying, God, under my terms, Lord, I don't owe you nothing. You don't deserve obedience. You don't. No, no, submit of this, this thing, Lord. Just, just, just be my, my my genie in the bottle and bless me wherever I am, because you, you know, you're my glorified Santa Claus. But that's not the Bible. What we got to do is get to the place of obedience, because that's the place of blessing. And it's amazing when we get to the place of obedience, blessing starts getting easy. We start asking for it less. We stop. Matter of fact, he said, seek first the kingdom." And all these other things will be added. Why? Because when you get to the place of obedience and you line up with God's will, you don't have to ask for half the things. Those things kind of just follow you and show up. But that's why sometimes our lives are so hard because we're not obeying God's word and we're saying, bless me way over there. And it's hard way over there. And even when you get the blessing, it's hard to keep the blessing. And, and it's kind of sometimey. So, so God said, why don't you just stop being so stubborn, get on over here where you could live under open heaven, you know, uh, the the land that flows with milk and honey, you know, where the rain comes regularly. You hear what I'm saying? Versus that sporadic stuff out in the desert that you're living under. So again, we see here that God's anger is aroused and and God is a little extreme here. But you say, well, that's the old covenant. This happened in the new covenant too. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, he's the same God. And sometimes we, we... And God is my friend. I love him and I'm for him and and I'm so comfortable in his presence, but he's God. And I remember that and I keep that in my my mind. And watch this though. And this is where we see David slipping. It's the beginning of his slip, but we see something of his, his psychological state emerging. And David became angry. He got mad at God because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. You see what happened here is is david kind of started drinking the world's world's kool-aid and he's no longer yeah he's no longer inquiring of god and he starts to only look at things from a human perspective no you didn't hear what i said this is one of the keys to, to knowing when you start to slip is when you just start seeing things from your perspective based on how you feel how human beings feel it, how many of you ever had an argument with somebody else Okay, yeah Often the problem in that argument Every now and then you're dealing with a crazy person You just can't, you can't, you can't, you know Argue with a crazy person But the majority of the time The problem was you couldn't see it from their perspective But once you saw it from their perspective The whole thing was squashed
2: You've been listening to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer The radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live big Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time,
3: Dr. Derek Greer has developed an assessment tool to reveal where you're stuck. Based on your individual results, this tool will identify the barriers keeping you from moving forward. Once you complete this free assessment, you'll be able to claim free a copy of Dr. Greer's brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. To get started, visit CanILiveBig.com today.